Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. Today, we'll have a short discussion with a special guest. We are pleased to be joined by Frederic St. Laurent, Judge Community Representative for Canada and the first Level 2 Judge for Canada. He's an occasional travel judge at major events like PT Lille and PT Baltimore, and I'm very happy to be able to call him my friend as well. Fred, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Fred, can you give us a little elevator pitch about yourself? Uh, yes. So my name is Frederick. Uh, I live in Quebec City. I'm 42 years old. Uh, I've been playing card games for decades, uh, probably since uh, about 96. Started Flesh and Blood uh, two years ago. I got into judging barely, it's been barely a year now since I've started judging. Uh, did local pro quests and then applied to Lil, uh, got accepted, went there. And yeah, I just basically just got hooked up on judging events more than actually playing in them. And yeah, since then, uh, trying to really get involved in the global judge community and also more locally. Nice. Um, so aside from TCGs, do you play any other games? Uh, I'm a huge uh, fan of video games, uh, especially the more uh, 8-bit, 16-bit era uh, games of my childhood. So everything, you know, NES, Super NES, Sega Genesis, all the classics, the Zeldas, the Metroid, the Mega Man, Sonic, uh, Shining Force, Final Fantasy. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. To this, I still play, actually, I do play Final Fantasy XIV almost on a daily basis. A lot of the MMOs and old games. I hear you play a little bit of Final Fantasy with Felix. Uh, yep, indeed. That's awesome. I am also 42, so I sympathize with you about all of the old 8-bit games, Sega Genesis. Mm. You got me kind of going through my, my head now of, of my days as a, as a kid playing like NHL 94 and oh, Sega yeah. Genesis. Oh, yeah. A lot of good times. Ba- ba- back when the Nordics were still a team. Right? And the Hartford Whalers? Yep. <laughs> yeah, the first the first hockey card I ever owned was the Joe Sackick Nordiques. I think that was uh that was one of their, their final seasons. Yeah, actually one of their final seasons, the ninety two and ninety three seasons uh, season where they did the big trade uh to Philadelphia like when they traded Lindros to Philadelphia. So they've got, they had Ronekstall, like the team was Joe Sakic, Owen Nolan, Matt Sundin, they had Ronekstall, Mark Rickey. I do have somewhere in my closet, all of that team, the whole team autographed. I have everyone. That's awesome. That's a stacked team. Yeah. And of course, that was that year when they led 2-0 against the Habs. Coach said, okay, well, we've got his number. And then, yep, we know what happened. Mm-hmm. The rest is history. Habs just uh, wiped them out and went to win the cup, which were the. Oh my, it's been 30 years <laughs> since the Habs yeah. got a cup, actually. It's going to be 30 years this year. Oh my. Yep. Are you a, a big hockey fan still, or, or did that die with the Nordiques? Uh, kind of died a bit with the Nordiques. I still follow the Avalanche, of course. Mm. Uh, otherwise, I. I watch a bit of it, mostly watching the Leafs, because, you know. Uh... You, you can't say that. We're from Calgary. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but it's okay. Like, I, I mean, like, th- th- from coast to coast, throughout the country, and, I mean, there's one thing that does unite us, everyone, is that the Leafs just, you know, the, yeah, we just like to make fun of them. the easiest target. 
Maybe except the Fulton Toronto, but then again, <laughs> yeah, easiest. There target. we go. Fred, Fred saw our faces and he quickly changed his tune, so he, he knows who he's uh, who yeah. he's interviewing with. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. So you you play a lot of different games, and what mm-hmm. what drew you to Flesh and Blood specifically? Because there's so many great games out there. Why why Fab? Honestly, I do li- I do like uh, Rudy from Alpha Investments. I like his videos. I, li- I like his content. Uh, guy is funny. And, you know, like he was pushing a lot of flesh and blood during the 2019, 2020. And at some point, like, I was like, okay, I, like, if he says the game seems to be that good, I'm going to give it a try. Why not? Like, worst case, I'm going to lose 15 bucks and I'm going to go back to Magic. So... Uh, either a couple decks uh, from a uh, company in the north shore of Montreal. And so I received a deck, tried a game, a couple games, and I just got hooked instantly, basically. Just the the, the, the way the game plays out, the mechanics, uh, the, the decision-making you have to do, the pacing, the fact that, uh, you know, sometimes in Magic, if you get Mana Flood or Mana Screwed, it can be a long agony. You're just there doing nothing and you just wait for your opponent to kill you. At least in Flesh and Blood, you can just, you know, block with all of your hands, get get four new cards. Like, it, it's more interactive. There's more... You do more things. You get to do things, at least. Or at, at least you get to try to get things done. Yeah, I, I totally share share that with you. I, I like how there's a lot of agency in, in Flesh and yeah. Blood. Um, but I, I am very interested because we were just talking about all the different types of people that get into Flesh and Blood. Of course, there's players, pro players, casual players, but there's also investors and there's also collectors too. Yeah. And neither Shay nor I are very savvy i think in that mm-hmm. collecting and investing part but you you say you got into the game because of rudy so this must yep. have been something interesting to you for since before flesh and blood right actually the the the, the why i've uh, actually got to know uh, the channel it was kind of by accident uh i was uh trying to get info it was during kaladesh release like the there was a kaladesh invention it was kind of like the new thing and so I was trying like to just find info about those cards. And I just stumbled at that video about, about a guy thinking about Kaladesh. And it was uh, for those who do know Rudy or knew him back then. It was one of the video where he did the, the, the Kaladesh box where just you put the day two years later and then he would open it up two years later. So it was it was that video. But yeah, I was, I was just looking for Kaladesh info. Mm. And then I just like found the guy funny and just started following him. And that's so... it. So... So you you subscribe to a trading card game investment channel for the humor. Yep. Yep, okay. pretty much. <laughs> yep. And and I and and actually getting a couple oh I should legit be smarter with the way I deal with my money because I was not. Ah, okay. So I I mean some people like the guy, some people hate the guy, but there's some stuff. I mean there's a there's a few good things of uh, things of common sense uh, in the middle of all all of that entertainment and tacos and <laughs> I mean he's he's such a flamboyant personality I I don't watch too many of his videos but uh, maybe I'll, I'll need to give it a another try yeah. there I, I mean I I think it's part of the persona mm. uh, I, I and I've met him a couple of times already and, and I do believe that he genuinely just likes card game I do believe he genuinely likes magic just happened as it just happened that he can make a huge living out of it right Uh, okay so 
you you mentioned that you got sucked into the world of judging pretty quickly here but yeah i guess nowadays do you are you more of a player or i guess you're more of a judge now but how do you how do you balance between your love of playing with with all the judging that you do well, I mean, I do play Armories weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two LGSs. Uh, shout out to uh, God's Arena and shout out to the Mythic Store. These are our main LGSs that carries Flesh and Blood in Quebec City. So we have weekly events. So I, I just, I, I get to play Armories. Problem is when we get to ProQuests and RTNs, I mean, people, they don't want to judge. They want to play. So mm. someone has to do it, right? <laughs> Yeah. Do you miss that opportunity to play? Like if you're, I assume you're judging all the time. Do you miss the opportunity uh, I, to play I do miss it. A, yeah, I do miss it a bit. But then again, like if we go back to the first ProQuest season, it was Starvo.meta. It was basically Starvo everywhere. Yeah. I'm a Katsu player. Starvo is just not good at all. Yeah. It was bad. I mean, of course, I would like Prism, I was able to deal with. But Starvos and Oldems just... I was like, I might as well judge because I'm not going to be able to win with Katsu anyway. So at least I guess I'm going to get some promos. I'm At least I'm going to get something. Yeah, that was what got me into judging too. I was like, I don't think I'm good yep. enough to win, so I'll just take my free promos. Yep, pretty much. And <laughs> yeah, so I just started, you know, uh, just like dabbed my finger and I guess the whole, the whole harm <laughs> went through. Yeah. It's it's funny because in in Calgary we have so many judges um, and not enough events, so it's it's interesting. Like I'm wondering, are we the exception, or or do you think your situation is is the exception? Like, uh, I do believe my situation is the exception, especially in Quebec City, because in Montreal there's a bigger community, and I did get I did have people like get in touch with me, ask me like if you know that there was events they could come judge in Quebec City, or the, like there are people in Quebec like looking to judge events. So at some point, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to just you know pass the torch to someone who just wants to, to you know get some rep, reps, get some experience. Mm-hmm. So we just have them drive to uh, Quebec City, and uh, I actually either get to uh, coach them or just you know play and enjoy the event. Well, that's great. Nice. You touched on Magic a little bit earlier. Have you <laughs> judged any other games like Magic or something else? No, I I never got to, I never got to judge Magic. Uh, I did get my like rules advisor like years ago, but getting into actual judging like the process was a bit too complicated, and I kind of gave up like i was still of still like the rule knowledgeable rule guy but to do actual judging like the whole process just to get your level one and get to judge events was just it felt like it was too much effort do you see any difference between judges coming from different backgrounds from other games or anything like that that are transitioning into flesh and blood i would say and i think it goes both ways like you know people uh Janik fab go judging other games and people coming from other games it's basically like you bring your experience as a judge. There's a few things, you know, like basic customer service things that you all, you can just already bring. And sometimes, you know, the, the way you uh, resolve things or deal with calls, like coming from another game, I think you can bring another perspective and maybe, you know, uh, bring new philosophies or new, or new ways to deal with things that maybe people judging fab thinks it should be done that way because we do it that way. Or in magic, especially, it's done in a specific way because 
and then you come in like from flesh and blood yeah but you know we do this or we try that or we have that mindset so i think it's a good thing you know it's basically you just you know like just cross pollinate and you know at some point you will just you just bring different ideas and some ideas will probably evolve and and evolve and just improve with time so so i do believe bringing like perspective and and even not even only from the judging but from like I'm doing IT customer service for a living, customer service and service level agreement management. So then again, the way I do things, I can bring those things or the way I deal with my teammates or my team, I can bring that knowledge or that way of managing team, you know, I'm doing like team leading in flesh and blood, or I've done a bit of a game design. So for me, when we go, when we talk about rules and what the card should do, like to me, my reflex is, yeah, but what is the intent of design? Like, what is what the designer of the card wanted things to do? This is what we should try to find out and not find who's right and who's wrong yeah. and just ask the devs. So what 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 does the card is supposed to do? What is your intent? And then we can figure out the rules and figure out how we should apply the rules and apply, apply policies, you know. So when you talking about rules and, and card interactions, is that something that you, you as the JCR is able to go back to like LSS and talk about the way a card is worded or the interactions and maybe help resolve something that's unclear? Uh, not really. And I, I would say for that, I mean, if you go on the, on the Judge Hub Discord, I mean, there's an open channel about rules discussions and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the... the basically like uh josh scott like is taking part into the conversation and takes feedback so this is already open and available for everyone want to chime in you know okay. and i think lss is really open to player feedback uh, as a gcr the feedback i can bring is you know if there's uh, issues between you know uh, stores and judges or information that doesn't seems to doesn't seem to reach judges uh so it's more the the, the feedback i can Provide LSS is basically as a judge or judges, like there are things that they might be missing or they mm-hmm. don't know they, they have available or uh, people are, you know, they don't know how to deal with asking for a compensation. So uh, how should you do so? So it's basically like trying to bring issues and also, you know, bring uh, good feedback. Like if, 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 you know, a group of judges went to an event, really enjoyed it, found the experience enjoyable. Of course, it's a good thing that we let LSS know. LSS know that okay, so this TO, this store, I mean they're tweaking, they're treat, treating the judge as well. So you know, so keep that in mind for you know future events. So it's it, it's it's more I'm more of a point of contact to receive and give feedback pretty much. Fair. Okay. Thank you. Any follow up questions, Felix? No, no, not at all. That's that was very thorough. That was awesome. So before we get into more of your history, do you have a mm-hmm. an experience or a judge call that kind of stands out in your mind that you'd like to share? I'll just say two words, gambler's gloves. We, oh boy. Yeah. And actually looking at the judge uh, discord earlier today, because I know, I know during uh, Bell Hard in Baltimore, we had a call regarding the gloves. And I think the same call happened also during uh, at the calling. So at the calling and at the Bell Harden, there was that call about, you know, so you have a player who needs to roll dice and there are two gambler's gloves in the arena. So both player has the gloves and how do you resolve this and how they trigger or they stack and the whole interaction about gambler's glove when there's more than one, because at some point in UPF, you may have a situation where you have four gambler's gloves and, you know, dice to be rolled. So that is the the, the one thing that I really like 
try to took the time and really understand how the rules works and how the card works. And I, th I think I figured out like how the how to explain the interaction or at least like to try to make it understandable. So. So we're gonna do a separate video that you have kindly volunteered to uh, yep. <laughs> make with us. But could you give us a Cole's notes? And I, I really like the way that you approach the the replacement effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's actually valid for any replacement effect. It's basically keep in mind that the replacement effect will modify the event. It's not a trigger that just goes on top. It like you have to consider that it will just change how the card reads. Literally, that's what it, what what the replacement effect does. It just changes how, how the card reads. I actually, like if if um, uh, there are people on on the Talishar team. Uh, listening watching us right now they, they may want to take note like maybe like for those kind of replacement effect like make sure that that you see the change on the card like textually so and i'm and i do think that's what happened in magic and in arena like when the replacement effect or something that will just change like how the card works it be it, it will just change the text of the card so it reflects those changes yeah, it's like if you're using arcane barrier, you're not creating a trigger that says prevent one arcane damage. It's like you're yeah. taking white out on the source yeah. of arcane damage and yeah. you're changing the one to zero. And I, I really like the way that you explained that. So yeah. look yeah, out for and, the and video. For, <laughs> yeah, uh, but the yeah, long story short, it's basically you take the text of the gloves and you just like splice it in the, the effect for scab skin letters. So it says roll a six-sided die. And like call like Colin, and then you add all of the effects of the gloves, so it makes just a big chunk of text that is your new effect. The battle hardened it was Blitz, right? Yeah, uh, yes, it was Blitz. Yes. Yeah. And the calling was CC. So was it a brute mirror? I hope that. Uh, was it a brute mirror? Uh, I actually I I wasn't myself at the call, mm. but I heard judges talk about the call, and it was like, oh. Uh, you guys may want to hear what I have to say <laughs> for future calls. Not second-guessing colleagues' call. I mean, they did the call they did with the information they had at the time. So, but yeah, we we talked a bit and just like brought them that perspective, and I think it did like made them understand like better how the interaction works and how you need to stack and like resolve the effect. So, so I do have a little off-script question for you. This is a really cool interaction mm -hmm. and obviously complicated. Is there a way to, I guess, describe maybe in a simple term how you were able to, not specifically for the Gambler's Gloves interaction, but figure out how to get to this point in a complicated rules question? Like where, where would a judge go to start to figure out how some of these layers work or these interaction works? Because it's not always just in a linear fashion by looking into the, the rules and being like, oh, yep, it's right here. And you can just start from this point because you can mm -hmm. find a way uh, an interaction can evolve in multiple places in the comprehensive rules. Yeah, like I, I would say it's really about, uh, well, first, like finding the rulings and fi find the proper ruling and the proper interaction. And once you get all of those pieces, now you try to figure out, okay, how can I make this like digestible for like say for a player or, you know, how, how I can reverse engineer or just like, just mix that together and, and make it something like e easy to read, easy to understand. Mm -hmm. And then it, it, it might be my uh, game design background, might also be my IT background. I do a lot of documentation, a lot of 
trying to understand a complex process and try to synthesize it and make and try to explain explain it to my colleagues in a way that they're going to be able to understand it themselves and you know uh, help our users and do what they have to do. So uh, I, I think it's just part of my personality, like trying to get the big picture, try to analyze and really understand how things works, and then try to put it together and try to make it like you know more palatable for uh, yeah. or put it in your layman's word. Awesome, thank you. What made you more interested um, in taking the step up to become more involved with the broader judge community? I would say the community. It's really about like the flesh and blood community is is fun to deal with. It's fun to interact with. Every event, people are just having fun, having a good time. Um, especially like you know, with uh, with the pandemic, we had to deal with people just being happy to be together. Like again, in the flesh and blood, mm-hmm. fun, very intended. Uh, so it was really like, okay, how can I give back to the community? How can I, yeah, how, how can I do something to just bring something to the table like and be part part of it uh, and try to you know make it grow and improve it yeah and everyone i talk to says the community is great and honestly that's the reason why shay and i started this podcast because we we love it and we are very protective of it as well because we know things can always take a turn for the Mm. worse and I'm just wondering, do you have any theories about why the community is so positive and happy and and good so far? And yeah, anything like that? Uh, My guess would be the the average age of the player base, probably in the, you know, high mid high 30s, maybe even low 40s. You know, a lot of people like myself included, just yeah, we're just getting too old for drama. Like we just want to have fun. We just want to have a good time. Fast way, way past way beyond like drama and trying to you know stir up things and gossip. So I I think there's there's part of that, and there also might be the thing uh, about you know the game is still fairly new. So we're all together in something new, into building something new from you know from from scratch, pretty much. Yeah. So I think it's a great it's, it's a great opportunity. And I think like most, if not all of the player base, like don't want, you know, they basically don't want to screw up and, you know, make sure the game succeeds. So of course, if there is huge drama every event, it's going to, you know, it's going to look poorly on the game and then it might, you know, just trying to figure out the, 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 the word. Hold on. The, the antonym of attract in English. Uh, if you don't attract people, you scare off people, I guess. Yeah, repel. <laughs> oh, repel, yeah, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if the game like is always shown in a negative light and there's a lot of drama, of course, I mean, people won't be won't get attracted into trying the game. So, my sentiments echo exactly the same thoughts. The two things that came to my mind were the age and the small community that wants this to succeed. Yeah. All right, so three old people agree <laughs> that being old is the it's the key. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and actually there's also one another thing is like LSS is putting a lot of effort into, you know, just making people happy. You know, uh, with the promos, with the playmats, uh communication is A plus, uh, very transparent like when they you know, when Dusk Blades happens, like they just, uh, you have James White himself just, you know, coming to the front and being, you know, really just uh, honest about it. Uh, even like the translation, like the, the the way cards were the first batch of the translated card in French. It is something, 
<laughs> so for LSS to say, okay, we screwed up. Uh, in those boxes, there were all of those shiny full art heroes. We're just going to vow to not print them over again as a way to, you know, apologize. And of course, also as a way, so those boxes, you know, keeps their value, of course, because otherwise, like, who would want to buy the badly translated product when you can get the better translated product? So I think there's also a part of business, but still, I mean, it's still something like, you know, nice. Like they, they just go up front and they just like take the hit and try like to make up for it. So I think that plays a lot as well as, you know, fostering that let's just, you know, no drama, let's have fun. Let's be honest with each other. Let's just, you know, let's just talk, communicate and have fun. Yeah. It's a very mature approach, I think, to the business. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think a lot of people very appreciate yes. it. I, I agree. Um, I've yeah. even noticed that. Uh, after playing in a few events, uh, I've gotten a few surveys and I've noticed the way they do their promos have changed since, you know, I've filled out some surveys. There's, it's not the same, like the, the, the sleeves when we were getting promos uh, in events, we were getting the sleeves. A lot of people weren't happy about that. And then we saw a bit of a change immediately after. So you're right. They're, they're taking that communication and they're listening to what the player base wants and they're trying to change and adapt to find solutions. And they're always trying new things, which I think is really exciting. It didn't work. Let's try something. Even if it does work, they still try something else to make that experience better. And I give them full props for that. Yeah. And, and sometimes they, they go even like as far as, you know, spending more money. Like, the, the for example, if you take, you know, the, the judge uh, promo packs we're going to get starting in June. Oh, yeah. Super exciting. You know, like usually promos, it was like what, the same card in a small cellophane, like plastic cellophane, like wrapper, and that's it. Now it's randomized boosters. So that costs more to the company to produce those. Absolutely. So just for the sake of making, you know, something enjoyable and fun for judges, they are willing, like, you know, to pay a little bit more to get it done, mm -hmm. which also speaks volume of how much they they want to invest into, you know, their community. I, I can tell how passionate you are about uh, your, you know, the flesh and blood community uh, and, and your local community as well. Um, and mm -hmm. we, we totally share that. And I feel like we could talk about this topic for for hours, but uh, oh yes, <laughs> I, I guess if if you could just wrap up um, the, I guess if there's a key message that you would like to pass on to someone that's just getting into flesh and blood for their local town that doesn't have a scene yet and they want to make it grow and they want to join the the global community or their their national community. What's what's some tips or what's your top tip that, that you would give to them to to make sure that it's just as great and positive and and keep the good vibes going? Just keep a positive attitude and try to make things happen organically. Like don't try to force people into playing. Uh, you know, if, if someone just curious, like have them try a game with, you know, welcome decks. If they like it, sure, cool, they like it. If they don't, that's fine. So to, I would say like just, you know, have that open approach and you know just be honest about how you enjoy the game and like I, I think that that genuineness of enjoying the game and enjoying you know what the community is that will attract people just naturally or organically it's just gonna happen and and when you go to those bigger events and this is something that i'm very curious about because mm -hmm. i've actually only been to two one of them was uh the san jose event which was awesome and mm -hmm. Also went to Indy with you. I guess we went to the first Canadian Nationals, uh, Shay and I, as well. So, okay, we have a little bit of, of bigger event experience. But uh, I guess, are there any lessons, I guess, from those events as well that that you would 
you would be able to pass on to people that maybe haven't had the chance to experience something like that before? I would say, you mean as a, as a player or as a judge or just in general? Either, either, yeah. Uh, I mean, as a judge, uh, I would say communication is everything. If, if you're on the floor and there's an issue, go talk to your lead, go talk to your head judge. You know, I, I mean, people are there to help. Like, it's basically like our duties as a judge. It's basically a whole weekend of customer service. Right. So we help the player and we also help each other. Otherwise, uh, I would say for, you know, for, for people, maybe not into judging, just, you know, playing the game. And I would say f for the bigger events, go out there, have fun and just enjoy the game. Have fun. Like win or lose, just go there and just enjoy the game. It's, oh, yeah. it's a game. We're playing this. Of course, I mean, some people are more competitive and they really play to win and, and that's fine. I mean, it's part of the ecosystem and we need those people to, you know, to so the game improves. And as, you know, the more casual players can try to learn from those people. But, but then again, like you have to go there and just have fun. Just uh, try to have a good time. Make sure the people in front of you also have a good time. That's the one thing. It just that energy will just—it's just contagious. When you see just a bunch of people just having fun, laughing, fist bumping. Keeping in theme with large event, uh, I understand you were part of an end of round team. Can you tell me more about what that is? Uh, basically, end of round is—we're uh, making sure that uh, when the round is about to end, that there is no, you know, outstanding time extensions or tables that are not attended to. We also make sure, you know, that all of the tables, like the scorekeeper, got the scores. Mm. Uh, and it's pretty crucial because say you have, you know, calling, you have maybe seven, eight rounds of Swiss in a day. You start at 11 a.m. You don't want to have like a bunch of running around trying to find scores. And, you know, you don't want that each round instead of la say lasting maybe 60 minutes, you don't want them to last 75 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you need a team to make sure, okay, like are the tables are being watched? First, for time extension, and second, to make sure if there's a draw, that it is an actual draw that is happening, that there's no shenanigans between players. So there's part of making sure, uh, ensuring the event's integrity. And also, it's also just to make sure that the the rounds ends and, you know, roll around really, like, smoothly, mm -hmm. pretty much. Which event was this at that you did the end of round team? Uh, it was at the Battle Hardened in Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. Okay. So how did you come about picking your team? Where were they given to you? And how many, you know, judges were there, there to pick from? So basically, I did get assigned uh, the people under, under my team. I didn't get to choose. Uh, so it was the head uh, judge for the event uh, who just, you know, made the teams, told me, so I'm going to be team lead for end of round. And uh, here are your three, uh, you know, two people who's going to be working with you. Gather up, nice. meet up, get to know each other and, uh, you know, have a plan for them. Uh, give them the information they need, make sure they go on break, you know, make sure they, they're having a good time, that they're doing well, and make sure to be there if, you know, they, they have um, questions or call or upgrades uh, they need to make or deviations in, they need to make. Some I, I, some I could just double check with them, some we would go to the head judge. So, but yeah, my role was basically just making sure that those judges with me had all the resources they needed to get their things done and... If they needed anything, I was, you know, their point of contact. And you, so you were the team lead for the end of round team, but could yeah. you just give a very quick Coles notes of what all the different teams are? Not to put you on yeah. the spot here. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. I mean, basically yeah. you have the team that we call Paper and Clock, 
which is basically getting the printed pairings, put them up on whichever board you have to, and make sure that when the head judge calls for the beginning of the round, that the clocks like on screen are starting. So you have paper clock, you have deck checks, responsible for deck checks, uh, you, and you have end of round also, making, okay. making sure rounds are going ending smoothly. You also actually have a, sometimes you have flex team who's, who are going to cover for, for you know, people's uh, going on break. So say the whole team, we go on break after round three. Well, we need someone to, you know, to cover for us. So sometimes you have flex team, they just cover other teams. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you even have teams who just make sure, okay, are people taking, are going, are they going on breaks? Are they taking their breaks? Because this right. is important. Like, of course you want, you know, take calls, make sure everyone is fine, but you also need to take care of yourself. Very, very important. I mean, it's, uh, we're talking about like oh, yeah. 10, 12 days of, of work sometimes standing up. So you need to take those breaks. And sometimes, yeah, you need people to remind you that it's time for a break. Right. Was there something that you liked about that end of round team or uh, something that you would improve upon? I mean, improving. We already have all the, I mean, tools wise, uh, we're using a Purple Fox, we, which is made by and upkept by a member of the community uh, from France, Aurélie. Shout out to her. Uh, that tool is amazing. We can just keep track of everything penalties, time extensions, table status. So, as far as improving, I mean, considering like the tools and also the experience, you know, that we have judges who have been doing this for like over 20 years, bringing their own experience from other games. I mean, if there would be anything to improve, it would be just me, like myself, try to be an even better like team lead. But otherwise, the, the way things are run, things were right. the, the the way things were done. I mean, it was like super smooth. Was this your first time being a team lead yeah, at yeah, a big event time, like yeah. this? Hopefully, the first of many. Uh, okay. I, I really enjoyed my experience. Yeah. I do believe my teammates. Uh, enjoyed it too i mean uh, and it's part of my you know my own also growth as a person as a judge like you know try to get uh more experience as well so okay well and and you we touched on this a little bit but you do travel occasionally uh to judge um to to people like shay and i we do mm-hmm. it uh rarely so i i'm just curious um for someone that that travels like you I, I, I guess I, I, a lot of questions. First of all, I'll, I'll just ask maybe the mm-hmm. elephant in the room, like, is it financially viable? Is it like a financial sinkhole? I know when I went to India, I lost a lot of money because I love <laughs> vendors too much. So I, I was a complete, I was a complete tourist. It was not, not good for my pocketbook. But I mean, for someone with more seasoned experience like you, is it like a legitimate source of side income? I know you have a full-time job. But how how does that work? I really personally don't take it as a like side hustle uh, because I also do love vendors way too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it, it, it really basically it depends on you know how you manage to get to the event. It's basically about basically if you can have you know cheap travel and lodging options. Yes, it. I mean, you can you can you can make a you can make a small profit out of it. Profit that may end up in buying cards you want but do not need, but mm-hmm. otherwise, oh, yeah. uh, but like like going like really like full professional full time judging is it possible? Maybe, but I would I would think you need to have like a lot like you know like head judge experience like being you know in a high lead head judge like 
of, because of course those the compensation is bigger because there's more mm-hmm. responsibilities so i think like for high responsibilities and you definitely need to do several games like i would say like magic pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah i mean if you want to do this full time you need to judge a lot of stuff so right no but 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 i would say like but if you can you know if you're smart about booking your your uh either booking your plane very early or even like, you know, carpooling with people going to the venue and then getting, say, a huge Airbnb or sharing, you know, rooms, then, yeah, I mean, you, you can get to travel a bit and, you know, come back home with a little bit of money. Yeah. No, and and, and do, do you like traveling? Like, do you have a squad that you travel with and you have a good time always together? Or I, I guess what, uh, what makes traveling enjoyable, I guess? And, and why do you do this? Well, I'll be honest, like... I wasn't, I wasn't really a traveling person. I was really fond of traveling actually until I started judging. Mm. So I'm actually, you know, like going to Lille, going to the States, like seeing places. Uh, I'm so, I mean, it it is enjoyable. Uh, Of course, uh, if there are players from Quebec City or from Montreal uh, traveling, most likely going to try to share rooms or, and or rides. Uh, And it's always fun, you know, like you have the, the, the players, you know, uh, you, you discuss rulings, you discuss rules, uh, how they, they went. So I kind of, I kind of get to see like their perspective. Like did, did they, did they enjoy the event or was there, was there anything that should have been improved that maybe we can give feedback to the TOs, uh, et cetera. But as far as having, you know, a regular crew, I usually try to hang out with the people. Like if, uh, there, there's a bunch of people going, uh, from Quebec city or from Montreal going, I'm probably going to try to tag along with them. So. Nice. When you traveled to like Baltimore and Lille, did, were you able to take some personal time and do some sightseeing? Is that of interest to you? Uh, not tr- in Lille. I took. I had a day like that I could actually take and visit a bit. But otherwise, I mean, it, it's basically you wake up at six thirty seven a.m., shower, breakfast, get ready, go to the venue, get to judge. Uh, if you're a lead, you're going to leave late. So at mm-hmm. 8, 8.30, sometimes even 9 p.m. So go go back to uh, your room or your Airbnb, chat a bit with the players, and it's already 10.30. Well, need to get to, you know, you have to go to bed because uh, tomorrow is the, the same thing happening. So I would say if you, if you want like to do some uh, touring at the same time, you really have to book a, f- a couple of days before or after the event. Otherwise, during the event, there's no time. I mean, yeah. you might be able to enjoy a couple of good restaurants, but that's about it. Speaking of the Pro Tour Baltimore, on Friday, you appeared on stream uh, for yes. judge coverage. What was that like? Yeah, uh, that was unexpected. Then again, like w- when I saw my team assignment, I was on the coverage team. So I was assuming we would, you know, just walk by the coverage table, just make sure, you know, there is no issues. But then again, my, my, uh, our team lead uh, went and said, okay, so we need a spotter for, for the rounds. Who wants to do it? So, you know, I just, okay, I'm going to raise my hand and what spotting is, no idea. So I was quickly briefed. It's basically, I was the point of contact between the table, the broadcast and the judges. So my goal was really like if uh, the broadcast wanted me like or wanted the player to do something specific using dice or anything like they would just tell me and then I would just pass the info on the players uh, pretty much. And if there was any like rule issue, like major that actually needed a judge, then I would just actually call for a judge. So my job was not to actually take judge calls. Of course, I would answer like quick ruling, like fast questions, but any like actual big calls, it was actually a judge. Uh, not a judge taking care of that. 
Interesting. I would have never guessed. <clears throat> I would have never guessed that. I thought you would just be handling the ruling right there since you're sitting there. No, and actually, and, and this is why the spotter was wearing the Star City Games judge shirt. Because that position was more of a TO related spot, like you would you would help the TO the broadcast team. So like during those rounds, I was not actually a judge on duty. I was more of someone helping with broadcast and with presentation and everything. Okay, is that why you had to wear a blue shirt instead of a yellow shirt yeah. then? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The blue shirt is the Star City Games, uh, like uh, floor judge. Uh, usual attire like if you go sometimes you will go to a star scg con event and instead of the yellow uh flesh and blood shirt you will be wearing the blue shirt instead even though you're judging flesh and blood events right do you have any highlights from the pro tour while you were there uh from the pro tour itself uh or the pro tour itself or, or the the event as a whole whatever you want we're easy uh highlights i would say the upf event like for me it was a upf event i was the one in charge of it. And if you've seen a couple of videos on uh, YouTube, there was that one guy who actually brought a, a Rudy Gemkeeper deck, asked me if they could use it, play with it. Um, and actually, I, I'm going to just tell, tell you the whole story. So, so the guy, then again, uh, if uh, his name is John, if, he, if, if he's hearing right now, I mean, thanks, man, for making this happen. It was hilarious and a fun, mo fun moment. So comes up to me. It's like, so uh, I've been told you're the head judge for the UPF. I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, what's up? How can I help? Opens a box and I see all the slabs. <laughs> and he's like, can I? So I'm there. I mean, as a person, of course, I want this to happen. This is just, this would make for a hilarious moment. This is absolutely. absolutely. As a judge, so many issues. So oh, many no. issues. First of all, <laughs> All of the cards are in PSA slabs. By definition, this is unplayable. You just cannot play properly with those. Uh, this is why when people come come to us and say, hey, I have a hard to find all in a slab. Can, can you give me a proxy? I'm like, I can't mm -hmm. because the card is in a slab. Technically, it's not even legal to be in your deck because it's oversleeved, quote. Like, right. So there's this, the, you know, sleeve shuffling issue. Also, all of the slabs are all serialized, right? And the serial number is visible on the back. So right. all of the cards are marked. Then again, this is unplayable for, you know, fairness, fairness reasons. Mm -hmm. Third of all, and third, the Rudy Gemkeeper card has 40 hit points instead of 20 for all of the real what? heroes. I didn't yep. know that. So... Yep. So the whole thing would make for a would be way too unfair to play with and play against it. So, but then again, I mean, this is like probably a one in a lifetime opportunity to have this happen. And James White is attending and playing during that UPF event. Yeah. So I tell the player, look, make sure you have a second playable deck just in case. I'm gonna see what I can do. And I will probably have to negotiate that you will not be able to gain any prizes because keep in mind that event there was a gold foil silver palms oh, for the winner. Right. Yeah. So then again, I was like, if I'm if we're letting you play with this, you're relinquishing any kind of prize or even winning the even if you win the match, you have to agree to give the win to another player, because yeah, the deck is actually illegal to play with in the yeah. first place. 
So I go talk to a few people. I do get the green light. Some people being concerned, especially about creating creating a precedent. Uh, right. So then again, if you're hearing this right now, the don't start like trying to collect and try to build a Rudy deck in the hopes that it will be allowed in future events. It probably will not. It was probably a one and done thing. Wow. So just just letting out uh, out there. So some concerns. Otherwise, speak to other people who are like. Oh yeah, make it happen, and it would like if you can make sure that you know they play against James, it would be even better. So, so in the end, we we get the game going. Uh, people like people all around like seeing the deck, like just coming to watch what happened. Other UPF players, it and I mean you can see it on the, um, on videos on YouTube. It really made for an amazing, fun, hilarious moment. So. I, I'm really glad it happened. Definitely one of the highlights for me personally for the um, for the whole weekend. Even as a spectator, that was a highlight for me. Like watching you tell James White that you're making this legal right in front of him was, as, as a viewer, <laughs> was amazing. Yeah, even even some moments because James uh, was playing the shitty Xmas present card, which mm. you know gives a cracked bubble. You put a cracked bubble on, on top of the player's deck, so plays it on the Rudy player. So you have that huge stack of slabbed card and an unsleeved old cracked bubble <laughs> right on the top of all of that. And of course, it's a cracked bubble. You cannot, you can only pitch it, right? Yeah. So oh, it no. goes back on the bottom of the pile. Some And at some point, it did get cycled oh, up, no. right? Yeah. So, and, and, and at some point, and I think it's some video, like you, you can just like, the players like, judge, I just, you know, like he drew four slab and you realize, oh, there's also that cracked bubble in there. What should we do, you know? So, oh, so yeah, all, all of the, uh, you know, all fun moments like that. And I would say also like, uh, I'm going to shout out to the everyone who uh, did participate in the UPF event. Like all of the pods, everyone were having fun, doing politics, laughing, weird interaction. It was really fun. Like uh, we, we definitely need more UPF in our lives. As far as I'm concerned, like my opinion. Is this newfound love of, of UPF something you're going to bring to your, your local community now and start start playing uh, a little more? I, I, I've actually tried tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> be, 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 uh, at, the, at our local armory between matches. Uh, wow. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, I do believe like there's potential for a really good and fun uh, multiplayer format. Like UPF is one of them. I know LSS is, I think they're working on something like PVE, like maybe like campaign-like. Like uh, the, the, the one thing I'm hoping that will happen is you have something like uh, Gloomhaven, mm. but, you know, flesh and blood flavored. So you bring your hero, a campaign, bring weapons, and then you get to build and grow your hero, and then you get to, you know, fight against uh, bosses. Uh, th- there's there's something, there, there's potential in there, like the... Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to harken back to the community for the UPF <laughs> event. You said it. People obviously wanted it to happen. And I I think people are going to appreciate that. You know, yes, it's a competitive event, but the community, the people, you guys made it happen. And I think that's really cool that we are still able to do that in an environment that's competitive. And like you said, there's something on the line and that that person was able to just accept the rulings that were put upon him and just play for the love of it because he did you know obviously spent a ton of money to make that deck and yeah it's i think it's one of the highlights of the event 
Yeah, and and I mean, like, is it like like, like his goal was not to win anything, to just you know play for the meme, basically. So yeah, and you know to have James there, and at some point you even had Rudy like looking at this, and you know so. Fred, you you somehow managed to be close to or directly involved in so many interesting things at the the pro tour. Between that and there was the the Fleetfoot sandals juke on on stream that that you were there for, and and also the empty azalea that Shay was very impressed with. Oh, so oh the empty azalea, yeah, you, that yeah. Oh, the, the actual the the, the the titanium bubble as well. Oh right, like oh. it's run four, and yeah, yeah and, and the guys like. Is that legal? I'm like, yeah, it's technically. Yep. <laughs> so, well, no, actually, yeah. it is. I, I, I mean, if you think about it, it's a super good tech against uh, usury. Yeah, it's a, it's a non-attack. So the daggers, it's a resource. Yeah, yeah it's a resource. There's no dagger that will. Oh man. Debuff those, I guess. Oh, that's oh man, yeah. So you you just were an agent of chaos or an agent of <laughs> agent of good tidings uh, of the community during Pro Tour, um, and I, I I do just want to bring this uh, bring this back to I guess we we've covered so many events we've covered Pro Tour and I I, I do want to go back mm -hmm. to I guess my first interactions with you um, were for the Judge Community Representative Program and. Like, mm. like we said off the top, you are the JCR rep for, for Canada. And I, yeah. I just, I guess, ask an open-ended question. What, what does that mean to you to be the JCR rep for, for Canada? That means a lot of responsibility yeah. <laughs> because, you know, it's a new position that NSS is in, you know, trusting like judges to carry. So a lot of responsibility. I mean, we are a huge country and there is only one GCR for now. There might be, you know, more as our judge community grows. But I mean, like I'm pretty much responsible for the well-being of all of our judges from coast to coast. So if a judge is having an issue or there's anything, I mean, they can reach out to me and I will, you know, do, do the best I can to resolve any issue they have or answer any question they have. So I would say it's a, there is that part of responsibility. And it's also like basically uh, laying the building grounds on something that, you know, will grow. Like, because this, posi this position is about like 12 to 18 months. After that, someone else, like I will have to pass the torch to someone else. So I need to make sure that, you know, that person is able, you know, to add their own building blocks on that foundation. And at some point, we have, you know, something to call our own, uh, our own, the way, the, the way we, you know, our having our own community and dealing, you know, things the way we want to get it, we get, get them done. Yeah, no, that's very noble. And why did you apply, given that it's it's so much responsibility? Then again, it was all about giving back to the community mm -hmm. and also a bit a part of challenging myself, still being, you know, a very young judge compared to people with 10, 15, 20 years of experience. I'm I'm, I'm just a baby compared to them. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did want to challenge myself. And also, I think I was the only L2 at the time. So kind of like, yeah, I guess I should, you know, try to apply and, you know, get the position. And so take the experience I'm already taking from doing the bigger events and try, you know, to make it available for every judges in the country. Right. So it's really about, yeah, it's really like, a bit of personal growth, of course, but also like trying just to be available and being there if people need help or need assistance or need anything. 
No, that's that's awesome. And I know I've I've personally really uh, benefited from your advice, uh, even before we we met in person. And it is definitely something that I would encourage uh, any judge uh, just to find out who your JCR rep is and to yep. use them as a as a resource, just like I can use Fred or or Shay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do have a story at some point. We had a, an LGS who uh, couldn't find a J- L1 judge. Mm. So I actually went to other GCRs, like in close areas, like, okay, like, is there's one, is there's an L1 in the States who would be able to do the drive back, mm-hmm. like, you know, across, across the lakes to Ontario to, you know, t- to help, help these folks. And in the end, like, they did manage to find someone. Okay. But yeah, there's, there's also that, like, we also get in touch with other GCRs all over the continent, all over the world. So then again, like, you know, sharing information, uh, sharing, you know, technology, sharing resources. So it, it's a whole network there just to make sure, you know, that judges are taken care of if they need to, you know, if if they need anything. Okay. And so, so you mentioned that the JCR program is like a network of people like yourself that are there to help judges, I guess. Yep. Is there anything else that's more formal going on with the JCR program? Like any anything... I guess, of course, I mean, if uh, if we need to give feedback to LSS about the judge program or about a few things, I guess like being the GCR, uh, maybe I, I would assume gives a little bit more legitimacy to the feedback we're going to provide. But otherwise, I think like the program is still fairly new. It's not even a year old. So I think if some of the roles and respons- responsibilities are still, you know, yet to be defined. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's It's very new. Yeah. So how many people, I mean, just maybe even geographically, like, is it coast to coast to coast that because Canada is so large, like you said, um, have you just had the chance to meet judges from all over all the provinces of Canada? Uh, Actually, yes. From New Brunswick to BC. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Is there even a judge Uh, in Saskatchewan? Wow, shade! So. Like you're from Saskatchewan, and you're just throwing shade on your home province. That's why I get Come to on. Do it. All right, give, give, oh, give no. me, give me one second. Let's see. I think but, my friends but are the honestly, Saskatchewan I'm, community. But honestly, I'm not sure. Oh no, we have to cut this. So we. It's okay. Nobody from Saskatchewan's uh, listening. Well, uh, actually, there is no judges. There's none. Oh no. Oh no! Okay, if if you're listening to this and you're from Saskatchewan, you could be the first. Please, please apply. Please, yeah, please. Apply. <laughs> also, the uh, and then again, not to put any pressure, but oh my, we have a L1 in the territories. Oh, Ooh. that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Northwest Territories. We have one person. The game is growing coast to coast to yeah. coast. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, and actually, no, we even have, yeah, I'm I'm looking at the judge map and yep, we have people also on Newfoundland start. Yeah, I'm, yep, we're growing. We're definitely growing. Fred is monitoring There's his me. territory, watching it expand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there, no, no, no uh, uh, like, uh, no joke, there is m- m- much more people than a few months ago, so... Our, people are, I mean, people are taking their, their L0s and L1s, so that is good. That's awesome. I guess if, if you were just to sum up, because you did mention it's going to be a, a fixed, well, not a fixed term, but it's a finite amount of time. Um, yeah. And you're going to have to pass the torch eventually after 12 or 18 months or something like that. I guess when you look back at your time as the JCR for Canada, 
I guess, what would make you feel proud or, or what are you looking to accomplish when you hand off that torch? Like if in the end, all of the issues that has been brought to me has been resolved and fixed in a, you know, satisfactory manner, I'll be happy. Okay. It's pretty much that. It, mm. that, that that's why I, I've took the, the position. It's to help people. So if I was able to help people and, you know, get it done successfully, then, yep, that's uh, that's it. Okay. And and once that time is done, like, would you try to continue to be involved with the JCR program? Or do you see your own role within the broader judge community moving to another one of the teams like media or rules, questions, writing or... Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, uh, the I know that at some point, I know the exam team uh, will need people. That's something I'm looking forward to uh, to apply for. But then again, like as of right now, honestly, I don't, I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I guess it'll depend on you know uh, our future events goes, uh, and also you know like where like if there's a spot, an empty spot somewhere where people need help and we need someone to fill in. I'm probably just going to, you know, just uh, go and dive in and uh, see what happens. All right. Also, one thing I, I may want to, uh, I, I just thought of something uh, back for the highlights of the Pro Tour. There's also one thing, because uh, at the staff party after the uh, the event, we were at a barcade in Baltimore. And I, actually, I did, uh, I did manage to play a few games of Mortal Kombat with uh, James White. And oh, wow. he's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, it wow! Is, Fighting uh, games are one of the the inspirations for Flesh and Blood. For those that didn't, yeah, for know. Katsu, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, okay, Katsu. It's it's definitely like uh, it's there's Street Fighter all over that, like just all of the combos and uh, yeah, like yeah, it's like a like cross up kick, like cr- crouching low Hadouken. That's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm gonna stop being the JCR questions pretty quick here, but besides being a JCR and level two judge, do you have any other responsibilities that you take care of? Like, do you give some of the seminars on the judge hub? The seminars are actually, it's, it's open to anyone. Like if you're a judge and you want to present something, speak, speak to Klaus and it will be happy to have you present something. So it is not something exclusive to L2s or to JCRs is anyone who wants to present something that is relevant and could be interesting, then yeah, j- just go for it. It's really like, yeah, the, I, I mean, of course, like the, the GCR, we have our own chat and our own network, but otherwise, the even the whole judge community, I mean, it's really open. Like it's it's, it's just out there. So like there's no, the, 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 there's a, like there, there, there's not really any locked doors. I mean, keep in mind, I, I did manage to be selected to judge at the Pro Tour after only, only doing like two pro quests. Like I was a judge for a couple of months when that yeah, happened. Right. So like the doors are openable. You just need to go and knock and you might be surprised how easy they may open. Okay. So would you recommend that judges try traveling to larger events and getting that experience? Oh yes, I, 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 absolutely. Like Pro Tours, the SCG Con uh, circuit, shout out to Star City Games. They're treating their judges really well. They have a really good team. They know what they're doing. It's always a pleasure working with them, like honestly. So yeah, like if you can, you know, uh, if you're looking at the uh, compensation and if you see it can cover your travel and your lodging and if you can like break even or, you know, just maybe be, maybe be a couple bucks mm-hmm. under for the experience you will get. It's, it is worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Yeah, nice. 
And so Felix and I had talked about on some of our past episodes about, you know, we're always nervous about judging events, in particular, larger events where there's maybe people that you're not familiar with and there's a lot more unknowns. What would you say to those people? I would say just be yourself, go out there. I mean, other judges are probably in the same situation as you, like being a bit nervous and everything. Uh, I remember Felix in Indy, like the, the first few minutes felt a bit nervous and after one round i mean he was crushing it really nice yeah and and knowing that there's a big team there supporting you because one thing that we get used to working locally is you're the guy or you're you're the judge yeah and i mentioned to you fred i've never had to deal with something like unsportsmanlike conduct major or cheating or aggressive behavior or something or, like that or, or even like you know medical emergencies oh, yeah. that yeah. happened in indy I, I wasn't ready like that that is something that i did not expect and it mm-hmm. happened and then i spoke to another you know more seasoned judge and he was like oh don't worry it's like it's gonna happen at least once a year you'll get used to it yeah so yeah but but, but knowing that if ever there was anything that was to the level of requiring an IP penalty, or even knowing that if the players didn't like my call, they could appeal to the head judge like that. That's a huge, that's something that I don't think people realize that you have a safety net, um, especially if you're new. Yeah. Yes. There, there is, and there will be other people there to help you and assist you if you need anything like people with experience or people who knows how to get things done. So yeah, go there. If you need help, just ask and yeah, just, you know, just be, just be yourself. Try to enjoy the event. Try to do your best the, the same way you would do your best with your local community. It's the same thing. Like there was one Bell Harden in Philly uh, that had, was kind of, kind of the head judge. And it was, a bit, it was a bit stressful, but at the same time I was like, okay, so it's just a bigger pro quest. Right. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. the same thing, just more people. All right. Um, wow. We have spent over an hour talking, Fred, and oh my God. <laughs> the, the time just flew by. So I just need to ask yeah. you, uh, are you looking to join a podcast? <laughs> uh, maybe. Like, I, I'm going to be super honest. <laughs> like, if you would know me in real life, I'm usually I'm the least talkative person in the crowd. And I'm actually a bit of a camera shy person. So it's a just like this interview is a challenge for me in itself and it's it's enjoyable i mean you know it's uh yeah. it's out of my comfort zone but it's uh i'm enjoying it enjoying it so yeah i guess i, I mean, could you you have been very chatty very enjoyable and if you ever want to hop back on and you know someone else to talk so shay talks even less when when we're podcasting I mean, as long as you don't mind my as long as long as you don't mind my French Canadian accent, that's fine. Oh, it's awesome. It's no, awesome. We really appreciate you you coming on and being basically an open book tonight. Um, it's been super eye opening for me, so I do appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, I mean, I... Uh, again, I mean, thanks for uh, inviting me to the podcast. It, uh, it's been an honor, and uh, yeah, if uh, let's uh, let's have another chat another day, another time. Yeah, for sure. Fred, if if people do want to get in touch with you, do you use any kind of social media or do you prefer for people to reach out over Discord or or how how should people get in touch with you? I mean, my Twitter is a barren wasteland. Don't go there. Uh Discord okay. would be the w- Discord would be the best. Otherwise, my ju- on my profile on Judge Hub, there is my email address. So, if you need to get in touch in- with me, like 
as a GCR Discord or email. Uh, just mentioned that you need to speak to the GCR. If you just want to chat, if you just have questions, then again, hit me up on Discord. If for some reason you're on the primal data center in Final Fantasy XIV, then, uh, you know, <laughs> come All say right. hi. Let's do some daily, some roulettes, kill some things. Nice. Wonderful. Well, uh, Fred, I'm I'm really happy that Canada has you as the JCR, and you've helped me a lot. And I I hope that you can help spread the game all over the country, uh, both in in the biggest cities, but also in the smallest cities all over Canada. So thank you so much. Uh, and I would say also thanks to you guys as well. You know, to try to grow the community. And also, you know, going to these big events, Gunnyflex, I mean, uh, I've seen you in uh, Indy. You're going to be an amazing judge. I mean, uh, you've been... Uh, pe people people did notice you in a very, very positive manner. All right. I appreciate that. Shay, when you're editing, keep this part in, okay? Thank oh, you. absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to cut it. All right. I'm, I'm going to stop now.